Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for the low. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we are going to be joined by Danny Burke. He does amazing work here at the network, taking a look at so many things. He's our main man when it comes to the NHL podcast here at VEASAN. I know he does a tremendous job on the weekend taking a look at all of our live betting coverage. He does a great job looking at the Chicago landscape and so much more. We're going to be reacting to some of what we saw at the trade deadline. Going to be looking a lot at those central teams, but we're also going to be diving in on the American League East as well. How those races are shaking out, which teams improved, which sellers did a good slash bad job of being able to get some deals done. So we're going to be looking at that in segment number two. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Name does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but I mean, we had Justin Verlander dealt at the deadline. We had a lot of hoopla with regards to the trade deadline, but we also had hoopla out there on the field. Let's take a look back at everything that we did see on Tuesday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Before we do dive into Tuesday, let's clean up the late games from Monday as well as the Greg Peterson experience that is now from midnight to 3 Eastern Time, Pacific Time, 9 to midnight. So I always do have to do this more around 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern with regards to recap. So sometimes I miss out on some of the West Coast games. And this game was in a rain delay to start and 
The Padres, they disappointed once again. 4-3 to three on Monday, they lost to the Colorado Rockies. Trent Grisham in the ninth inning hit a home run as 11th of the campaign off Justin Lawrence to send it into extras, but Padres squandered the bases loaded. They went 5-13 of 13 with runners in scoring position, but stranded 11 on base, and they do not get Seth Lugo home on what was a good start. Three runs, two of which were earned. Over the course of seven innings, he did allow a home run to Ryan McMahon, 17th home run season, and Austin Comber all of a sudden has been pitching very well. Six innings, allows two runs. He has now given up two runs or fewer in terms of earned runs because there have been a few unearned runs in a few of his starts in six out of his last seven. From there, you did have Justin Lawrence give up that home run to tie up the game in the ninth inning. He went one and two-thirds innings, allowing a run. Jake Bird, a scoreless inning. You had Daniel Bard getting you out of the bullpen, and Matt Cook and Brad Ann. They piecemealed together a scoreless inning to be able to get that W as it was Nick Martinez who allowed the unearned run in the 10th inning that costed the team the game, and Tom Cosgrove was able to come in for a scoreless inning as well as I do this right now for Tuesday. The game is tied up 1-1 to in the 5th inning. Peter Lambert has been looking pretty solid, and Pedro Avila, 7 strikeouts through 4 innings for the San Diego Padres, so that's encouraging for them. The Seattle Mariners, they got it done by a count of 6-2 on Monday over the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bavetta, good start. He gave up three runs in seven to third innings. Did give up two home runs, but struck out ten as Cal Raleigh took him deep twice. 15th and 16th home runs of the campaign. From there, Joe Jacquez, he gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. So if you took the over of eight, you were able to get a push there. Or if you got a late seven-half, you got there as well. George Kirby, he continues to be pretty darn solid. He goes five innings, allows just one run. Two walks, by the way. A big rarity for George Kirby in that one, but Matt Brash, Taylor Sacato, along with Andres Munoz. They're all able to combine for two squirrel settings. Gabe Spire, a squirrel setting, and Isaiah Campbell does allow a run in his inning work currently as I do this. You got the Seattle Mariners trying to get another win against the Boston Red Sox first setting there. So we shall wait and see what happens on that one. That'll be a cleanup game for the podcast tomorrow. And the Arizona Diamondbacks on Monday got a 4-3 win over the San Francisco Giants with both the Nelsons having a big part in this. Kyle Nelson went in third inning, scoreless out of the bullpen. Ryan Nelson, he gives up two runs in six and two-thirds innings, allowing a home run to Wilmer Flores, 14th home run season from there. Miguel Castro and Scott McGough both give a scoreless setting. Kevin Ginkle in the 10th inning allows an unearned run because you have got the ghost runner that starts on second base. And this was a game that won 11 innings. And the Diamondbacks won four of six with men in scoring position, which is just absolutely insane as for Jacob Junis. He was a part of a piecemeal effort that I mean, went pretty well for the Giants. He goes three squirrels setting. Junis does. Alex Wood from there gives up two runs and two and two-thirds innings. And then Luke Jackson won a third inning squirrels. You had one of the Rogers brothers and I believe Taylor Rogers, Camilio Duvall. They both lend a squirrel setting. And then Scott Alexander, Tyler Rogers. They both allow an underrun in their ending of work as well as for the San Francisco Giants 0 of 9 with Ben in scoring position. Currently that game for Tuesday just getting started as well. So we shall see what happens there. We know what happened here. The DK Network right a pick goes to eight and one in our last nine. We are heating up, kids. Six to four. The Brewers get it done. I was on the over, so that was nice as Freddie Peralta lost three runs over the course of six innings. He's now allowed three plus in at ten out of his last fourteen starts, but the bullpen at his back. Joe Piamps, Devin Williams, they both allow nothing in their inning of work. Meanwhile, Abner Uribe comes in for an inning. He did allow a run in for the Washington Nationals. Not what they were hoping for out of Josiah Gray. Three and two-thirds innings, he allows five runs, all of which were earned. From there, Andres Machado, one and a third inning scrolls. Joe Sorsa, along with Hobie Harris, 
They both lend a scoreless inning, and Amos Willingham, he gives up a run in his two innings of work, but Brewers are able to get it done. The network right-up pick, that continues to stay hot. The Atlanta Braves continue their winning ways. 5-1, to one, they're able to take down the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval, two runs surrendered over the course of five innings. Not bad against this Atlanta Braves team. He did allow a home run to Michael Harris, the second. His 10th home run of the season, then Jacob Webb would allow a pair of home runs. One to Orlando Arcia, his 11th of the campaign, and another one to Harris. So that gave him 11 on the campaign as well. Spencer Strider, meanwhile, he was tremendous. One run surrendered in 62 thirds innings. Joe Menace gets it on out of the bullpen, and then A.J. Minter, Rossio Iglesias, they both lend a scoreless inning for Webb. Gave up three runs, including those two home runs in his two innings of work, and then you were able to get a scoreless inning out of Victor Medeiros, someone that I think the Angels might be looking to quite a bit moving forward. The Yankees are going to be looking to try to score more runs. They lose again to the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 5-2, to two, and man, this thing is just completely toilet-bowled for the New York Yankees. Says this is a Yankee squad that... On July 2nd, they were 46 and 37. They are now 55 and 52. So that's not great for Zach Eflin. He was pretty Eflin good. Six scoreless innings. Sean Armstrong, he goes two scoreless innings. He did have Colin Boucher give up two runs in the ninth inning on two outs before Pete Fairbanks gets that final up. But for the race, they get a pair of home runs off of Carlos Rodon. Yandy Diaz, 15th home run season. Randy Arozarena, his 18th. As for Rodon, he gives up four runs of four innings. That's not been himself since coming off the injury list. Once again, the Yankees bullpen did their part. Albert Abreu, a squirrel setting. Nick Ramirez, two squirrel settings. Ian Hamilton allows one run in two innings. So, bullpen did what they needed to do. Nobody else did for the New York Yankees. So, so that was rough. Out there in the AL East, the Blue Jays, they just continue to lead the way. 13-3. They clobber the Toronto Blue Jays. Kyle Bradish does allow three runs in seven innings, including a pair of home runs. Brandon Belt, ninth home run season. Danny Jansen is 15th. But Ranjin Ryu, first start of the season, not what he was hoping for. Gave up four runs over the course of five innings, including a home run to Gunnar Henderson, 18th home run season. Then Anthony Santander later on, 19th home run in the campaign. That comes off of Nate Pearson as... This bullpen was not good to say the least on this day as Pearson lost four runs at an inning, including that home run, Genesis Cabrera and Jordan X. Two former Cardinals, they won a combined two innings and they gave up five runs. So they continued those rough ERAs that they had in St. Louis and Trevor Richards was able to give you a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for Baltimore, you were able to get a scoreless two innings out of the duel of Joy Crebiel along with CNL Perez. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, they get it done against the Detroit Tigers by a count of 4-1. The Tigers, by the way, they had a deal to send Eduardo Rodriguez to the LA Dodgers. That deal was nixed by the fact that Rodriguez has a partial no-trade clause that he exercised it. Matt Manning did not exercise good pitch-making. Four runs surrendered over the course of six innings, including a home run to Mr. Piguero. Third home run season for Lovar Piguero. Meanwhile, for the Buccos, you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo was not messed with. One run surrendered over the course of seven innings on El Perdomo. Along David Benar, both lined a squirrel setting and Jason Shreve. Trey Wingenter, they both give a squirrel setting for the Detroit Tigers. Sandy Alcantara, very good start for the Miami Marlins. Team now falls to 8-14 and 14 in its start. So the Phillies get three runs in the ninth inning to win by a count of 3-1. to one. For Alcantara, eight scoreless innings. Did his part, one of his best starts of the season. David Robertson, trade deadline acquisition, Got shelled. Three runs given up in his inning of work. 
for the Phillies, Nick Cassianos, who had been in an almighty funk. Last 30 days, he had been hanging like a buck 40. It was a miserable stretch. He goes deep, 15th home run of the season at just the right time. And for Ranger Suarez, he gives up one run on 10 hits and six and a third innings. Just one of those nights for the Miami Marlins. Junior Marte gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Gregory Soto, Sir Anthony Dominguez, they both go for a squirrel setting as the Marlins. They leave 11 men on base and they lose by a count of three to one. Absolute brutality. And if you're a fan of the Reds, this game is looking to be absolute brutality as well. We are through six innings. I don't think I'm going to need to make any sort of an edit to this one. Currently, the Cubs are up by kind of 13-5. to five. Final score might change a little bit, but for Ben Lively, this has to be the most runs we've seen allowed by a pitcher all season long. He went four innings and gave up 13 runs, all of which were earned. That is called an ERA booster there, kids. From a 376 to a 520, allowing four home runs. Good news is Sam Mull and Derek Law have lent a scoreless inning ever since then, and he did have home run number eight of the season off the bat of Tyler Stevenson. Stevenson, he goes deep off of the Man of Steel and Justin Seal, and a little bit of a rough start himself. Five runs, four of which were earned allowed in six innings as Hayden Wisniewski now in for him, but for the Cubs, the four home runs stains to be Swanson twice, 14th and 15th of the campaign. Mike Talkman, 16th home run season, and Cody Bellinger just continues to be white hot. His 16th home run of the campaign. This game just went final. You saw the Walker Texas Rangers get a 2-0 win over the Chicago White Sox. For the White Sox, Jesse Schultz actually pitched quite well. He gives up one solo run over the course of six innings. You did have Brian Shelton to score the setting and Declan Cronin. He gave up a solo run in his inning of work as well. For the Rangers, Adolis Garcia got Cronin for his 26th home run season. Mitch Garver goes deep off of Shelton's his 6th home run season, but Andrew Heaney was just stealing. 11 strikeouts in 6 scoreless innings. Josh Saboris, Aroldis Chapman, Will Smith. They all get jiggy with it. They all lend a scoreless inning as a grand total of 7 hits in this game. So, there was not a lot of action there, but it was a nice, clean, easy winner there. For the Astros, looks like they're going to be able to pull a shot the Cleveland Guardians as we do this. They are up by a count of 2-0 in the bottom of the 8th inning. The Guardians just have not been able to generate any offense whatsoever on Framber Valdez. As a matter of fact, Framber Valdez has a no-hit bid going right now. You're going to know when this podcast uploads if he did get it or not, but my goodness, the Cleveland Guardians have done just an absolute nothing burger. The only thing that Framber Valdez has done through eight innings is walk Oscar Gonzalez once. He's given up one walk and nothing else. And poor Gavin Williams actually had a good start. He gave up two runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen thus far has done in their parts. Xavier Curry, Sam Antiges combined to the scoreless innings. And Daniel De Los Santos is in to hold down the fort. But Framber Valdez just looked very, very good on Tuesday to say the least. So, You'll know whether or not he got the no-hitter when this podcast uploads, but a great showing there. A's and Dodgers just getting started. I have to think that the A's with Ken Wall to check out there probably did not get the job done. I might look like a moron when this podcast uploads, but there's that. And for the Minnesota Twins, looks like they're going to be able to get it done against the St. Louis Cardinals. They enter into the bottom of the ninth up by a count of 3-1 to one with Pablo Lopez. Giving a great start, giving up one run over the course of six innings. Emilio Pagan, Griffin Jacks. They both allow a scoreless ending as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Miles Michaelis wasn't too bad. He does give up three runs, but only two of which was earned. Tommy Edmond hurt him with a fielding error over the course of his seven innings. From there, you had Drew Verhagen lend a scoreless ending. And the King, John King, was able to lend a scoreless ending as well. So here's where we stand with regards to what we've been taking a look at all season long in terms of the betting trends 
of Major League Baseball. We have seen just a few more unders than overs. 776 unders to 752 overs. That's a 50.8% hit rate to the under. And it's certain avalanche, but I'll get into that in a minute. Overall for the season, favorites are 916 and 667. That's a 57.9% hit rate to favorites just on the money line. But they've had a very tough time covering the run line. 239 different favorites have failed to cover that minus one and a half run line. Meanwhile, if you take a look over the last 30 days, the under eight, that's more in the neighborhood about 52.5%. 169 unders, 152 overs. Few games still pending for Tuesday. And if you're looking at favorites in that time span, hitting just a little bit below what they have for the season, 191 and 142, that's 57.4%. But favorites have had a tough time on the run line as well. 54 of those favorites that won outright have not covered the run line. And over the last seven days, been a 50-50 split, essentially, with favorites and underdogs. 39 and 38 are favorites on the money line. Few games pending for Tuesday, with all but nine of those favorites being able to cover the run line, but in this band as well. 58% hit rate to the under. Once again, few games pending for Tuesday, but 44 unders, 32 overs, and a few pushes along the way. So that's what we're seeing right now in Major League Baseball, and that's what we all got on Tuesday. Now let's react to what we all saw at the trade deadline. Take a look at the lay of the land with regards to these teams out in the Central Division with our good friend Danny Burke. He does great work here at VSIN, and he joins me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of VSIN Family of Podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. 
Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And it is always great to be joined by this man, as Andy Burke. He does an incredible job taking a look at so many things over here at Visa. And I know that he's one of the main men on our Visa Hockey Betting Podcast. He does great work every weekend taking a look at our live betting coverage. If you're out there in the lovely state of Illinois, he is the host of Bet on Chicago over there 
at 890 AM WLSAM. That is every Saturday night out there. And Danny is a man that's out there in Illinois. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Danny Burke, the number five altogether. And it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks for having me back on. We are getting to the excited point of this season, my friends. Always pumped to discuss that with you. I'm always excited to have you aboard as well. And Danny, we saw a lot of interesting moves at the trade deadline. Both of us are men from the Midwest. I used to live in the Midwest. Now I live in Las Vegas. You're currently out there in the city of Chicago. What did you make out of the trade deadline moves, both overall and for the central teams? Because unlike last year, the Brewers were actually buyers and the Cubs, they had a little bit of a change of heart themselves after it looked like they were going to be sellers. They pick up Jameer Candelario. Yeah, Candelario is exactly what this team needs, right? You need someone who can fill that third base role because wisdom not necessarily getting it done. And Madrigal is not a consistent hitter you want in the lineup if you're trying to be a postseason team necessarily. And obviously just another bat to try to keep Master Boney out of the lineup is certainly going to be a plus. But look, I mean, from a Cubs fan perspective, this is exactly what you wanted them to do. You don't want to send the message where this team is just a few games back from a wild card spot and go, no, you know what, we're actually going to be sellers. Because this is what you have to do if you're an organization like the Cubs, a team that should have enough money to make these acquisitions, a team that should be contending pretty much most years, like you see with the Yankees so often, with the Red Sox so often, with the Cardinals, heck, even so often despite this year. And that's what Cubs fans have been clamoring for. So the understanding is clearly this team is not a World Series contender. I think it would be an absolute miracle if this team even won a postseason series But it's just exciting for this team to at least be going out there and competing and contending to get into that position. So knowing that it's going to fall short deep down from every Cubs fan, hey, at least the front office is sending that message that they trust their guys they have right now, looking to add a couple more to really go for this thing and just give it your best shot. So, yeah, it's a good thing that they didn't dish off Cody Bellinger. I'm kind of indifferent about Marcus Stroman now because obviously the guy's been a disaster in some of the biggest games as of late, but – That is neither here nor there after his last start. You can only hope he can improve from that point on. But good stuff out of the Cubbies around the trade deadline, Greg. Yep, it has been interesting to look at all these central teams because for the most part, the Cincinnati Reds stood pat. It feels like they're just a year ahead of schedule, and I think that the Reds are looking at this a little bit more long-term than just this year. Meanwhile, the Brewers... I think they looked themselves in the mirror after last year's, shall we say, disappointment and something that we've been talking about for so long with the Brewers, them needing some hitting. They actually go out again, and I felt like Carlos Santana was one of the best ads with regards to a bat among all the moves that were made at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, again, this Brewers team, an offense that's been incredibly unstable, as have most offenses, albeit the Cubs, who had the only plus run differential for quite some time. Now the Reds are finally into that mix, but this is what Milwaukee's needed to add because you can trust their bullpen enough. You can assume that their starting pitching can at least give their offense an opportunity. It's just a matter of what offense is going to show up. So even though it's an older veteran, and Carlos Santana, hey, I mean, it's a low-risk, high-reward type of thing here, and you might as well go for it if you're Milwaukee. Is it going to make worlds of difference? Probably not, 
maybe helping them in some games down the stretch in the regular season. I don't think it's going to flip the switch for them. And I don't think any team in the Central really has any chance of making a deep run in both the AL and NL. We've been pretty vocal about that, Greg. But again, kind of the same sentiment you would think from you being a Brewers fan. Look, yes, you need to try to add some bats, get a veteran like that who can bring some power to the mix. Why not? You got to have something in there. You got to try to switch something up because the Reds have been creeping up and the Cubs are trying, even though they aren't going to do anything realistically in the division. So, yeah, good for the Brewers. See how much it actually pans out. But again, it can't hurt them from that perspective. Oh, no doubt about it. Being someone that is a Milwaukee Brewers fan, personally, I was very happy to see that they actually made some moves and oh, I don't know, didn't trade away their best closer while they were leading in the NL Central. <laughs> that was a little bit of improvement from last year. It's Danny Burke, who does tremendous work over here at Visa to join me on the Baseball Betting Show. And then we did see one move that was made late that I thought was of impact, and it does involve the Central only. It involves the team being a seller. That's why I said, by the way, the St. Louis Cardinals were sellers. I think the year was 1927, and Bob Gibson had yet to be born. But that said, they do trade away Jack Flaherty. They had already traded away a few other pieces as well, including Jordan Hicks, and he goes to the Baltimore Orioles. And I really thought that that was one of the biggest moves that we saw. No doubt about it, Justin Verlander is going to be a lot about the Astros. That AL West race is going to be a lot of fun. But the Orioles, who have been building towards this time, they finally go in. They finally become buyers, and I think that that's a very impactful move out in an American league that it really does feel like it's anyone's league at this point. It certainly does, Greg. And look, you were kind of hoping if you're an Orioles backer or an Orioles fan that they would have done a little bit more, but the Montgomery acquisition, again, is a solid one. I mean, if there's a part of this Orioles game that you're going to have some trepidation with heading into the postseason, at least for me, it's definitely got to be their starting rotation. I mean, we know how tremendous their bullpen is. The bats have been a revelation and have continued in this tough stretch of their schedule in the second half of the season. So what kind of reliable pitching can you have in these important spots? And it's not like Flaherty's lighting it up, but he's not doing horrendous by any stretch of the imagination. He's got a 422 FIP, which is lower than his 443 ERA. So you're probably expecting he can do better, especially with a team that can actually back him up. If he can limit the walks, if he can limit that damage, he can be a very valuable asset for this Baltimore Orioles team. But Honestly, Greg, the team that I've been impressed with and what they did around the deadline and what I'm rooting for now from a personal standpoint, because I invested on them to win the World Series at 20 to 1, is the Toronto Blue Jays. You mentioned Jordan Hicks getting dealt, Toronto acquiring him, and Paul DeYoung also from the Cardinals. He's going to the Blue Jays now, too. So, look, I think the Blue Jays are making the necessary moves. I think this team, with the postseason experience, with the offensive talent they still have in place, and a good enough rotation, and now even a better bullpen. At the price that it was dealt about a week ago at 20 to 1, I thought that was a great team to look at in terms of a buy low, sell high going into the postseason. I know it hasn't been pretty for them and it may not, you know, turn into a pretty end to the season, but they're going to find a way in the playoffs. And then with that roster and again, a team that has dealt with at least enough adversity to give themselves a chance in this playoff series. I really like that price, and I'm glad to see the moves they made at the trade deadline. So that's the winner, I think, out of a lot of these teams, Greg. And how about if we take a look at that game that the Blue Jays are going to be playing on Wednesday as well, because it involves the Baltimore Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays, with Yusei Kikuchi going up against Grayson Rodriguez. And I certainly think that this might be the last time we do see Grayson Rodriguez in a start for a bit, unless if we do see an injury or they could move Kyle Gibson out of the rotation as well. 
New York Orioles have a few moves that this would be Jack Flaherty's turn in the rotation. I highly doubt that things are going to be cleared and he's going to be able to clear customs and be able to join the team in Toronto. But as of right now, it is Grayson Rodriguez against Yusei Kikuchi, seeing a total between eight and a half and nine with the Blue Jays between minus 120 to minus 125 favorites. What do you make out of this ordeal? Because I do think that these are two of the weaker links with regards to their team starting rotations. And I think that this could really be a good spot for runs on Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's probably the safer bet to look forward to at this moment. Total at about nine or so. I wouldn't have an issue gravitating toward the total going to the over. I'm still holding out on Kikuchi a little bit. But, Greg, it is a tough spot to wanting to back him because, as we just mentioned, how red hot these Baltimore Orioles bats are. So Kikuchi comes into this spot with a 379 ERA. He's got a FIP of 478. His ex-FIP is down to 399, which is at least somewhat promising. He's got a good strikeout-to-walk ratio. What's concerning is his home run to fly ball ratio. Typically, you want that sub-10%. He's at 18%, so that's no bueno when you're going up against this Baltimore Orioles offense. And then you look at Rodriguez on the other side, kind of an interesting stat line for him. In just 62 innings of work, he's got a 621 ERA, a 504 fifth, but then his ex-fifth at 383. So it's one of those things where you got to ask yourself, which one do you take more into account? And I get the argument for both sides. I've kind of gone back and forth which one I hold more weight for. But look, 62 innings isn't the deepest sample size, but it's certainly enough to have a better understanding out of what you're going to get out of a guy. I mean, he had a shutout performance against the Yankees whose bats had gone cold. Uh, you went, what, 6.1 innings pitch, did Rodriguez, only three hits, no earned runs, and gave up two on the road against Tampa, the other effort. So looking at it point blank, my first thought would be to lean toward Toronto. But because of these numbers and doing a deeper investigation, I think, yeah, if you're expecting anything to happen, it's probably going to be a multitude of runs. So I may end up staying away, Greg, but I do see the attraction in wanting to bet this total and going to the over more so than trusting any of these sides. Absolutely. And then this is going to be a game that's off the board because with the Texas Rangers, they've made a lot of moves. It feels like they're just going to have a get me over start on Wednesday before they get their new rotation with Jordan Montgomery, Max Scherzer join the fold in. They do have to mix and match a little bit because Ethan Valdi is currently on the injured list, but the man that is going to be going on Wednesday for the White Sox, it's a team that is near and dear to you. I don't know if it's dear, but it's near to you. <laughs> Dylan Cease was one of those guys that was on the trade deadline. He does not get dealt, and he's going to be pitching on Wednesday. What do you think out of the moves that the White Sox made? Because they did trade away a few pieces, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, along with Kendall Graveman, but they hold on to Dylan Cease for what has been really a sinking ship of an organization. And if you ask me from an outsider's view, I am very surprised that there are some front office gentlemen that currently have a job. Ah, man. I mean, look, you knew they needed to be sellers, and I think they could have sold even more. And you're right. I mean, Dylan Cease apparently isn't going to be getting dealt. We saw Jake Berger get dealt to the Marlins, Giolito, Lance Lynn, some of those other guys getting dished out, and a couple dudes throughout their bullpen. At least they did a good chunk of it. I mean, obviously, they weren't going to get rid of Luis Robert. You know, and Mikado was for a second kind of pondered about. Jimenez, you didn't expect anything to happen there, but. Look, at the end of the day, Greg, this team needed to blow things up to a certain extent. And I think they still will do that in the offseason because it's a collection of guys who are very good, clearly not good working together. So you might as well see what kind of assets you can get for these dudes and let them go succeed in other teams individually because it's not working under your management for the past several years. They've been so far short of expectations and so frustrating in the way that they 
have not gotten to those expectations that you have no other option to do but to continue to dish off some of these pieces. So, again, I thought they could have done more. I'm not surprised that they didn't do more because it's hard to part with some of these lethal offensive pieces that you know you have. The biggest thing, though, is infuriating as this offense has been, can be, will be, it's the starting pitching, and those guys didn't live up to the hype. Lance Lynn never really lived up to it. I know Clevenger's still holding on, but, I mean, he's kind of a nightmare. Kopak's not the guy they were hoping he could pan out to be. And Cease, while he's getting back on track, nowhere near what he had last year. And Giolito was a middling pitcher at best. So their best option is to hope you can build up your pitching staff, full starting rotation, and bullpen-wise this offseason. Because the offense can be good enough, but, man, the root of their problems all takes place on the bump. Yeah, for the White Sox, it has been very rough for them in that bullpen. Man, not great to say the least. You just feel good that Liam Hendricks was able to get back out there on the mound. He's back on the injured list. Not even Garrett Crochet has been hurting them as well, as we do have Danny Burke of Visa joining me right here on the Baseball Winning Show. And, Danny, is there anything that you are taking a look at for Wednesday? Obviously, we have seen a lot of trade deadline moves. Obviously, we've had a lot of hoopla, but... Is there anything that is on the horizon that you might be looking to bet on this Wednesday? I'm going to wait a little bit longer to see how these markets marinate. But I think that Phillies and Marlins matchup is very intriguing with Wheeler going against Garrett. Now, I know the price is already a little bit high in in favor of Philly and the way they've been so sporadic. It's hard to gain the confidence to wanting to lay it. But I would look at backing Wheeler. He's been a really strong pitcher this year and a guy that I like to trust in a lot of these spots. So I'd be considering him. The Boston-Seattle series is kind of mayhem all over the place, more from an entertaining standpoint. I'm keeping eyes on it in an in-game spot, but probably nothing pre-flop. Yeah, honestly, I don't love the pitching matchups uh, going forward, Greg, if you think that Giolito is going to continue to, you know, kind of struggle, maybe you'd consider something like a Braves team total over. Uh, that could be something to monitor as well. And with the Cubs and the Reds game tomorrow, I don't trust Drew Smiley for anything. I really don't. I know he almost threw a perfect game. I know he's had some good outings and Cubs fans are still holding strong to Drew Smiley. I can't trust the guy worth anything. So I think because we're not seeing the total now, we're going to wait to see what the wind is going to be. But that game's probably got overwritten all over it for the Cubbies and Reds tomorrow. So we'll see where it populates at and then if anything's worth an advantage. Yeah, there's a lot of murkiness on the card for Wednesday because we did see a lot of trade deadline moves, but there is no murkiness with this. Danny, you do an absolutely incredible job taking a look on so many different fronts. I know you're getting set for some football. I know you did a great job all season long taking a look at hockey. You're doing, currently doing an amazing job taking a look at baseball and so much more. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you. I know people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Catch me on the weekends, obviously, with Beeson. And then, like you said, Greg, bet on Chicago, 7 to 9 p.m. Central time here on WLS, 890 a.m. Plenty of baseball, getting ready for the football season and much more. Appreciate the time as always, Greg. Danny does an incredible job taking a look at baseball, basketball, football, you name it. He does it every single time he joins this podcast. Always lends tremendous insights. Big thanks to Danny for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. 
John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by Danny Burke. He does tremendous work here at the network on so many different fronts, doing our Visa Hockey Podcast Every weekend, he does a great job taking a look at our live betting coverage on Live Bet Saturday, Live Bet Sunday. Does a great job out there in the Chicagoland area with Bet on Chicago. And every single time he joins his podcast, 
wants tremendous insights. Big thanks to Danny for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gunit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National Games first, then the American League Games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice and clean and easy. So let's dive in on this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Mackenzie Gore goes for the Nats, and Wade Miley hopes to have a party in D.C. for the Brewers. And the Brewers are minus 122 to minus 125 favorites between plus 105 to plus 115, your number on Washington. Nine is the total over and under, both at minus 110, and I set the Brewers at a minus 148. I do like some of the trade acquisition moves that they've made, and for the Brewers, it has been a rough go of it for this team on offense there. Currently dead last in the National League in terms of batting average, or in the bottom two in terms of runs per game among National League teams on the road, but you add in there Mark Hanna, you do a nice job bringing in Carlos Santana as well, and I do think that there's a little bit of upside with this bunch. Now, this is a squad that they're just going to need to be a little bit more consistent, but you've been able to get some nice boom power out of William Adamas. He's been able to give you 17 home runs this far this season. As he, Christian Yelich, William Contreras are all guys who have been able to give you at least 11-plus home runs for this squad. And then on top of that, you bring in Carlos Santano. Coming over from the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think that he's at 13 overall this season. And Andrew Marisario has been able to for about a 375 on base as well. So the Brewers are getting good contributions. Sal Friedlich has been able to do a nice job since he's been added into the lineup as well. And they go up against a Washington Nationals team that is going to try to go death by a million cuts. You've got a pitch of contact guy out there in Wade Miley going up against a Nationals team that entered into the day on Tuesday, number six in the big leagues in terms of overall batting average. I do think that there's a little bit of regression due in for Wade Miley, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a nice job of just being able to give another nice consistent performance against a national team that they have the fewest strikeouts of any uh, National League team with regards to their lineup, but for Wade Miley, only about 6.1 strikeouts at 2.5 walks per 9 innings. The fielding independent of 438 compared to a 306 ERA, I do think that that's a little bit of a problem spot, but for the Nationals, they traded away one of their two big main mashers in Jameer Candelario. Now they're looking to Lane Thomas, who's been able to give you about 16 home runs thus far this season. Now they're also going to need to give guys like Alex Call, Jake Alou, Morat Bazin. These are guys who are not doing a solid job. Do have quite a few guys hitting in that neighborhood about a 250 to 265. Corey Dickerson, CJ Abrams, Dom Smith, along with someone like a Luis Garcia. They're all sort of in that fold, but I do think that for the Nationals as well, what is really going to doom them in this game is their bullpen. They are right now hovering in the neighborhood of dead last in terms of bullpen ERA. A couple of bad nights, and they will pass the Washington Nationals for worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues as you've got so many guys right now, like Amos Willingham, Joe LaSorsa, Andres Machado, Jose Ferrar that are giving you north of a 5 ERA. And for the Brewers, Elvis Piguero has been allowing opponents to leave the building. That has not necessarily been too terrific, but you've had Joe Piamps, Hobie Miller, along with Devin Williams, 
being able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Now the question becomes, what do you get out of Mackenzie Gore? Because he is a very good swing and miss pitcher. He's been able to get 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he misses target a lot. That has allowed him to give up 1.4 home runs and four walks per nine innings, which is a big reason why he's got that 442 ERA, but a fielding independent of right around a 438, and he's been so inconsistent, and he's done this all year long. Last five starts, he has given up 7-0, and three runs. He is just all over the place. I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to get to him in some extent. I do think that this is a little bit of a lower-scoring game just because the Nationals, they don't have a lot of power in the lineup. Did somebody tell it an 8.8? Looking at the under, and especially with the Brewers having still some issues on offense. But one back the Brewers on the money line, set them at a minus 148. I think that bullpen advantage, very big for them. So looking at the Brewers on the money line and taking a look at this total under. 9-3, 9-4 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres at third faceoff against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is on the bump for Colorado. Joe Musgrove is on the bump for the Pods. The Padres are anywhere between minus 212 to minus 220 favorites. Between plus 180 and plus 185, your number on Colorado, 11.5 to 12 is the total on the 11.5 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115. On the 12, under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. I did set my total at 11.3. I am going to be willing to dive in on the under, and the big reason why is that the Colorado Rockies just don't have any power whatsoever in their lineup. They trade away C.J. Krohn. They trade away Randall Gritchick, and I recognize that it's Coors Field, but you need to have at the very least something in order to be able to put up runs. They've got one guy in the lineup that right now is north of 10 home runs. That'd be Ryan McBann. He's been able to do a solid job. And entering into the night on Tuesday in their starting lineup, they had one guy hitting above a 273, and when you're playing half of your home games at Coors Field, actually, all of their home games at Coors Field, half of their games overall, but you know what I'm saying there. And you've got one guy hitting above a 270. That's an issue for the Colorado Rockies. There are like five teams in the big leagues that have a better home batting average right now than the Colorado Rockies. That's how bad this offense is. Ezekiel Tovar has been able to give you a little bit of something, but now they're looking at Brendan Rodgers, who has never been able to materialize. Brenton Doyle has been giving you about a 200 with regards to his batting average. Michael Tegolia has not been good as well. Meanwhile, for the Padres, they are masters of just stranding men on base. You've got that nice trio of Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., all guys that were kept intact through the trade deadline. They're only between about a 261 to a 273 with Soto, giving you north of a 400 base. They all between 18 and 20 home runs. And the guy that actually leads the team in war is Ha-Sung Kim. Awesome Kim has been tremendous recently. He's hitting about a 280. If you look over the last 30 days, he's been able to pound out five home runs while providing a 461 on base. Last 15 days, his on base percentage is north of 51%. It has been tremendous, but you take a look at the bottom of the fold. The entirety of the catcher spot. Trent Grisham, Jake Cronenworth, Rudad Odor. These guys hitting at 220 or lower. That's what's been killing this Padres team. And for the Padres, the bullpen has been going, well, straight down the toilet bowl ever since the All-Star break. If you take a look at the last 30 days in Major League Baseball, they rank in the bottom 10 in that time span with regards to bullpen ERA with the likes of a Nick Martinez not necessarily being able to do his job. Tom Cosgrove has been able to do a relatively okay job in this bullpen. And I do think that getting back Stephen Wilson is going to be able to help out as well. We have for the Colorado Rockies. Last three days, this has actually been a bullpen that ranks 14th of the big leagues entering into Tuesday with regards to their ERA. 
Brent Suter coming back in the fold is big. They got rid of Pierce Johnson, which honestly is an upgrade for this team. Likes of Daniel Barr, Justin Lawrence, being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. have been able to do a solid job as well. So I do think that the pitching is going to be rather okay. Now with Kyle Freeland, he has been a little bit all over the place. Coming off the injury list, he just got completely destroyed in that start. That's not necessarily too tremendous, but overall the season has actually had a lower ERA at home than on the road, which is a little bit of a reversal than what we've been seeing for the entirety of his career. And by that, the start that I'm talking about, he gave up five runs, three of which were earned in four innings in his first start off the injury list against the old Oakland A's, which... It's a little bit less than terrific for Freeland. Just about five and a half strikeouts per nine innings fielding independent north of five. So I do think that the Padres should be able to take it to him. But I do think that it'll look a little bit better than he did in start number one coming off the injured list. Meanwhile, for Joe Musgrove, he has been absolutely tremendous for this bunch. He has given up three runs or fewer. And I believe 11 straight starts now has really been able to get it going. Giving up one run or fewer in four out of his last five. Getting right around nine strikeouts and 1.9 walks per nine innings. If you take out that start that he had at Mexico City, he's got a 275 ERA for the entirety of the season. I think that he's going to do a nice job holding down a rocky team that they just traded away all their bats. If you're taking a look at the Padres on the run line, you're going to be finding that price right around about a minus 140 to a minus 145. I was willing to go up to a minus 158. I needed at least a plus 230 to take a shot on the Rockies. So going to be looking at the under in this ordeal and going to be taking a look at that Padres run line. 905-906 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Miami Marlins. Rex and Garrett goes for the fish and Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for the Phils. And the Phils find themselves as favorites. Anywhere between minus 122 to minus 130. Meanwhile, the plus price on Miami is anywhere between plus 110 to a plus 115. 7.5 is the total. The under is minus 115. And the over is between minus 105 and seeing some even money as well. Seeing some minus 120s with regards to that under as well. And when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies, set them at a minus 137. If you do have a little bit of trepidation here, it is that Zach Wheeler has an ERA that hovers right around four on the road the last two years. But I think Zach Wheeler is doing for a lot of positivity, and we have been seeing Braxton Garrett start to struggle a little bit. Had a very nice front end of the season, sounds like one bad start against the Atlanta Braves where he gave up 11 runs, but recently he just has not been in necessarily the world's greatest of form. For Garrett, to his credit, he does a very nice job of not allowing a lot of walks. He has been giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. He's getting a little bit north of nine strikeouts per nine innings as well. But just has been figured out and is starting to give up the hard contact that he wasn't towards beginning part of the season. Gave up three home runs in that start against the Colorado Rockies. And has given up three plus runs in four out of his last five starts. And if you take a look at the fielding independent, he's doing for a little bit of positivity. 361 ERA compared to a 408 fielding independent. And I do think that things are going to improve for him. I also do think that things are going to improve for Zach Wheeler, as I was alluding to as well. This man has a 274 fielding dependent. That's actually the best number among qualifying National League starters compared to a 374 ERA. 10.5 strikeouts and 1.7 walks per nine innings, giving up 0.7 home runs per nine. If you look at the barrel rate, things like that, I mean, it's not as demonstrative as that fielding independent would indicate, but he's been able to do a solid job. Seven plus strikeouts in each out of his last four starts. This guy has gotten really unlucky 
on balls in play. If you look, take a look at opponents batting average on balls in play this far this season, they are hitting 315, which that's just rough to say the least. And for the Miami Marlins, it has been a pretty league average bullpen thus far this season. As we know, they pick up David Robertson. They made it swap for Ori Lopez. So I think that he's going to be able to find it a little bit more. I think that he's going to be able to help this team out on that front. And still have the likes of Uskar Brazoban, who's been able to do a relatively okay job along Stephen Oakert. Flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies, though. They have been the number one team in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 35 days. Craig Kimbrell has been able to find it this year. You've got Jeff Hoffman. You've got Andrew Vasquez. A pair of guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Whenever Sir Anthony Dominguez has been out there, because he has been in and out of the fold, deal with injuries, that's been a big issue. And for the Miami Marlins, this is one of the best teams in terms of being able to move the line, in terms of batting average in all baseball. Big reason why is Luis Arias, and you just fear that this is a little bit of a top-heavy team that's not going to be able to find it for the rest of the season. Ori Soler has been able to give you 25-plus home runs thus far this season. Pass that going into the game on Tuesday. The only other guy that I'd give you north of 12 home runs, Brian David Cruz. He has been able to slug out 14 home runs as far this season, and I mean, he does a good job of being a reach base. He's a guy that's hitting at 275. John Birdie is hitting in that neighborhood of about a 300. You've had Garrett Cooper do a good job of being able to move the line, but all in all, it is a Marlins bunch that they could use a little bit more thumping power. And for the Phillies, I feel like you could say the same thing because Kyle Schwarber has done a tremendous job of providing power. 27 home runs needs to up that batting average, but that's set. you got Nick Cassianos, who's been able to give you 14 home runs. Nobody else entering into Tuesday north of 12. And for Nick Cassianos, things have really gone downhill from recently. Hitting a buck 37 over the last 30 days entering into the game yesterday. So, yeah, that's not great to say the least. You do have the likes of a Brandon Marsh, Cassianos, I mentioned a little bit before, Alec Bohm, hitting between about a 275 to a 289, though. Cassianos with the game on a Tuesday might see that fall even further, but Bryce Harper, power's not there. He's been able to do a nice job, but be able to provide right around about a 380 on base, though, as well. So I do think that both of these pitchers are doing for a little bit of positivity, but I do think that both of these lineups, they do enough to be able to scratch across enough runs to be able to get this very low 7.5 total over, but have a little bit more faith here in Zach Wheeler. I feel like he's a bit more of the proven commodity, and I think that he's doing for some very, very good positivity in general against a Marlins team that is dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game since the All-Star break. So, somebody told us 7.8, looking at the over, and we'll end it back. The Phillies on the money line set them at a minus 137. 907-908 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing on C-Cincinnati Reds, and yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Brandon Williamson getting the start for them, and Drew Smiley is on the bump for the Cubs. Right now, the only place I'm seeing a number up is DraftKings. Minus 142 is the number on the Cubs. Plus 120 on the Reds. No total up on this game. That is going to be decided by the old Wrigley Field wind. And right now, it looks like that wind is going to be blowing out. And it's going to be blowing out in the neighborhood about 6 to 8 miles per hour. Not like gale force winds or anything like that. But as we know, across the country, we have been seeing some warmer weather in recent weeks as well. So, looks like there's going to be a bit of humidity in the air as well. So, I did say my total to wear a 9.8 is going to be my projected total as long as we do get Drew Smiley because keep in mind, Drew Smiley, they've been using a few openers for him. Nine and a half or less, taking a look at the over 10 or higher to the under. For Brandon Williamson, he has actually pitched quite a bit better recently. For Williamson, he's now allowed two runs or fewer in each out of his last five stars. Hasn't delivered a lot of length until recently. Last three starts, has won at least five and two-thirds innings, and every one of them. I just can't help but think that this is smoke and mirrors in none of these starts. He has had north of five strikeouts in any of them for the season. He's getting 6.7 strikeouts to 3.8 walks. 
per nine innings. He is giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings. A fielding independent is north of five. And for Drew Smiley, he was getting a tad bit fortunate at the beginning part of the season. And now I think he's getting a little bit unfortunate at home. As for Smiley, 478 fielding independent, 450 ERA. He's getting about eight strikeouts to three walks per nine innings. He's coming off of a very nice, I believe it was bulk appearance against the St. Louis Cardinals as they've utilized him in the opener spot in two games. He had given up three plus runs in each of his previous four start slash appearances and he was able to get right with that appearance against the St. Louis Cardinals. But you take a look at Drew Smiley and he's been remarkably worse when he has been at home rather than on the road. A 594 a home ERA compared to a 326 ERA on the road. If you take a look at Smiley starts, he has been drawing a lot of the wind blowing out sort of days has been hurting him quite a bit, but he also is not necessarily some strikeout master. And he's going up against the Cincinnati Reds bunch that doesn't have a bunch of pop in the lineup, but what they do a nice job of is just being able to move the line. They are actually number one in the National League in terms of road on base percentage. As we all know, Ellie David Cruz, he's been a little bit up and down. You can't expect him to be hitting like 350 or anything like that. I feel like there are some people that they have unrealistic expectations for him, but he's been a big impact guy. Stealing all those bags, doing a nice job being able to provide some nice something power. That's big. And you do have Joey Votto who's averaging a home run every about 12 or so at bats. That's massive because you've got Spencer Steer, Jake Fraley, along Jonathan India, all with between 14 and 15 home runs entering into yesterday, though. We know that India has been platooned for a little bit as well. He's been a tad bit in and out of the fold. So something that you want to note, and it would not surprise me if India does hit the injured list as well. So I know that he's been dealing with a little bit of ailment, but some like T.J. Friedel has been able to buy a 282. Matt McLean, double-figure amount of homers. He's hitting at 300 as well. And then for the Chicago Cubs, you've got Cody Bellinger, who's right now the hottest hitter on the face of planet Earth. He has slugged out 15 home runs thus far this season, but what I think you need to take a look at is what he was able to do in the month of July. And what he was able to do in the month of July, nothing short of remarkable. Last 30 days, eight home runs hitting a 385. There's a reason why the Cubs pulled him off of the trade block. Meanwhile, you've got Jameer Candelario, Christopher Morrell, Patrick Wisdom, all giving you between 16 and 18 home runs. Obviously, Candelario's numbers came with the Washington Nationals, but was in the lineup for the Cubs yesterday. Should be once again today. And then you've got the likes of Mike Talkman, Ian Happ, being able to give you north of a 350 on base. The Cubs are actually set up to do well against both lefties and righties, so that's something that I do like. And you've got a pair of bullpens that they're very similar. Both of these teams entered into the series right around 15th, 16th in the league in terms of bullpen area. Entering into yesterday, the Reds were right around 12th. The Cubs were right around 15th. So these are two very comparable bullpens. The Closer advantage is going to belong to the Cincinnati Reds. Alexis Diaz, I think, is one of the better closers that you're going to find in the big leagues. But you've got the likes of an Ian Gabo, um, Lucas Sims, Alex Young. These are guys that are giving you a sub-4 ERA. And for the Chicago Cubs, they've really been able to prove as the season has won along. Michael Former, after he was not good at the beginning part of the season, he's been able to pick it up quite a bit. Anthony Kay is someone that's been able to give you some good innings out of the bullpen. Edgar Alzale has been very good out of the bullpen along with Danny Palencia. So, do you like what I'm seeing there? I think that Smiley is a more trustworthy starter. And I do think that for the Reds, dealing with the injury to India, that is hurting them a little bit as well. And I do think that with the wind blowing out, you're going to be in for some runs. Nine and a half or less looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. And with the Cubs, one delay up to a minus 143 on that money line, the minus 142 I currently see at DraftKings. Pretty much my max with regards to a buy point there. 909 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants playoffs to the Arizona Diamondbacks with 
The Diamondbacks are on good old to be determined. Meanwhile, it is going to be Logan Webb on the bump for the Giants. So this is a game that is presently off the board. DraftKings did list an initial number at a minus 170 on the Giants, plus 142 on the Snakes with a total of 8.5 shaded up to the over. And if we were to get that number, I'd be taking a look at a Giants run line. Currently, that is off because we just have no earthly idea who is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But I am thinking that you get Tyler Gilbert. If you remember Tyler Gilbert, he threw that no-hitter a few seasons ago for the Diamondbacks, but was never really a good minor league pitcher. He's made a little bit of spot relief. They've utilized him as like a two, two and two-thirds innings sort of a long guy. So I think that you probably get like three to four innings out of him, whether or not he's a starter, whether or not he's a bulk guy. That is a question that we do not yet know, but assuming that that is the case, I'd be willing to ride with the Giants, especially with the Diamondbacks. Just not having a great bullpen. They do pick up Pulsey. Well, that is going to be able to help them out a little bit, but you need to get into a save situation to be able to utilize Pulsey Seawald in this sort of a game. And the Diamondbacks are 23rd in the big leagues in terms of bullpen here, and they're going to need to utilize a lot of those guys in a bullpen game. Scott McGough has not been too terrific for the team recently. They trade away Andrew Chafin, who had really been killing them. Really, some of the best guys for them has been Kyle Nelson along Kevin Ginkle, who have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, but Jose Ruiz has been a nightmare as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, they've got the best bullpen ERA by north of a half a point of any team in the big leagues since the beginning of the month of May. Both of the Rogers brothers, along with Scott Alexander, the closer, and Camilio Duvall. You've got so many guys that have really been able to step up for the scene, being able to supply a sub-325 ERA. You've been able to get good production out of Ryan Walker as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, the team is only averaging right around four runs per game at home. And the biggest reason why is because of the ballpark that they play in, Oracle Park. It's just so hard to be able to hit one out, but they do a very good job with their platooning splits. You don't have anyone with north of 14 home runs for this squad, but you've got six different guys with at least 11 home runs, eight different guys with at least nine home runs, and they do a good job against lefties and righties because they pretty much have separate lineups for each of them, and you've got a bunch that they've got a lot of guys that they move the line. Jock Peterson, Wilmer Flores, a pair of guys with north of 11 home runs, both being able to supply north of a 350 on base. Lamonte Wade Jr., right around about a 395 on base. Austin Slater, 360 on base. So he do a good job of just having balance with regards to this lineup. And for Logan Webb, he is a guy that I always look to target at home because he has just been masterful when he's been at home throughout the entirety of his career. And it's not like he's been bad on the road, but he just any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, he gives up less than a half a home run per nine innings throughout the entirety of his career. This is like a five-plus year sample size. He always does an amazing job being able to keep the ball in the yard. 282 career home ERA compared to a 415 ERA on the road, and has done a nice job with regards to command this far this season as well, giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. I do think that he is going to be able to do a good job of neutralizing a Diamondbacks lineup that, if you take a look at actual slugging percentage compared to expected slugging percentage, they've been some of the biggest overachievers in the big leagues this far this season. You do have Ketel Marte, Lord Escurio, a combined 32 home runs between the two of them, but Gurriel, he has been sort of fishtailing a little bit. It's been a little bit rough for him recently. Walker and Corbin Carroll, both of these guys have been able to combine for 43 home runs with Corbin Carroll north of 30 stolen bases. He has been terrific, but some of the understudies for this team, I don't know if they can keep it going. You've got someone like Gerardo Perdomo who's been able to give you a 380 on base. Whenever Gabriel Moreno has been at the catcher spot, he's been able to about a 270 as well. Emmanuel Rivera has done a nice job of being able to move the line as well, but you've got Moreno, who's now on the injured list for this bunch as well, which takes away 
little bit of their depth. So maybe been having to utilize a few other pieces as well. They trade away Dominic Canzone. So it's a Diamondbacks team that I do think that they're a little bit top heavy with regards to their lineup. And I think Logan Webb is going to dominate as to a game. I think that the Diamondbacks are going to have to utilize a lot of the bullpen in. This is a spot where once we get numbers up, if the uh, Giants are less than minus 110 on the run line lane or run and half, I'm going to be taking a look there. And then with regards to the total, eight or less looking at the over, eight and a half prior to the under. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians, and they hit the road. They're facing off against the Houston Astros. It is old undecided who's going to be on the bump for the Astros. Meanwhile, we know that it is going to be Tanner Bybee who's going to be on the bump. And this is a game that is presently off the board. From all accounts, I'm hearing Ronald Blanco is going to be getting the start in this one. And if that is the case, I set the Guardians as an underdog of plus 146. We need at least a plus 147 to dive in there. Want to lay up to a minus 145 with the Astros. And maybe by total to where it ain't after less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over a 9 or higher to the under. Ronald Blanco has been sort of up and down as much as possible. I think that this is the last time that the Astros would be able to set him up if he does make the start here. His last big league start came on the uh, 6th of July, and he's been getting touched up quite a bit recently. Three-plus runs surrendered in each out of his last four starts. Granted, he had a rough run. He had to face off against the Reds with the Reds just in full force, the LA Dodgers on the road against the Texas Rangers. So he has been facing off against a very fearsome lineups, which is a big reason why he's got a 627 fielding independent, giving up nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also giving up 4.7 walks per nine, north of 2.3 home runs per nine innings, but has gotten really the short end of the stick with regards to the assignments that he has drawn. So I do think that he's going to be able to have much more success against the Cleveland Guardians than he has had early on. You've got a Guardians bunch as dead last in the big leagues in terms of total home runs. Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, they've done a nice job with Ramirez, 18 home runs, 362 on base. Going into yesterday, Josh Naylor, 15 bombs. He's been able to give you about a 345 in terms of his on base as well, but for the Guardians, they trade away Ahmed Rosario, and I mean, we recall with the Cleveland Guardians last season, what this team did such a good job of to be able to make the postseason was they just moved the line. You had so many guys like Stephen Kwan, Rosario, who I just mentioned, Andre Semenes, Will Brand, and Oscar Gonzalez, all guys that had at least a 270. The only guy entering into yesterday on the roster hitting above 262 among that five sum is the um, gentleman and Stephen Kwan hitting about a 278. So that's a big issue for this bunch. They're still trying out their Cam Gallagher, who's the biggest dead bat perhaps in the big leagues. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, they're back at full first. You've got Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, who have been able to give you 18 home runs. Both have really been surging of late with Tucker. He's back above 300 with regards to his batting average. Bregman starting to get on base quite a bit more. Chaz McCormick has been able to give you 360 on base. He's starting to peak. And Jose Abreu is horrible. And I mean horrible. At the beginning part of the season, he's starting to pick it up as well. All of a sudden, over the last three days, he's been able to give you about a 340 on base. He's up to a double-figure amount of homers. You get Jordan Alvarez back at the fold. He's been able to give you a home run every about 13 or so at-bats. North of a 400 on base, Jose Altuve has done a nice job moving the line. So reinforcements have come for an answer team that right now they're about league average with regards to bullpen ERA, but this is a bullpen that, in my opinion, is far better than that. You've got the likes of Phil Maton, Hector Neris. Ryan Presley, these are guys that will be able to give you a sub-3-4 ERA, so I think that they're going to be able to step up. And for the Guardians, they kept intact their very good bullpen, a bullpen that is currently in the top five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. We've had the likes of Trevor Steven, Eli Morgan, Aniel De Los Santos, obviously the closer, and Emmanuel Classe. 
while being able to give you a sub 3-4 ERA and for Tanner Bybee. He's done a very nice job of holding down the fort and being able to give good starts for the Cleveland Guardians, but just hasn't given you the same performance when he's been on the road as he has at home. Buck 96 home ERA, 433 ERA on the road. He has given up nine home runs at 89 and two-thirds innings overall this season. Eight of those have come on the road in 43 and two-thirds innings compared to one in 46 innings at home. So clearly he does give up quite a bit more hard contact when he is on the road. So even though Rona Blanco has some tough FIP numbers, things like that with the Astros, if it is Blanco versus Bybee, I'd be willing to set the Astros out of minus 146 on the money line. We'll be willing to lay up to a minus 145 there. Need at least a plus 147 to take a shot on the Guardians. And then in after loss, we're going to add the over 9 or higher to the under. 913-914 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Seattle Mariners. Logan Gilbert goes for Seattle. And Gunnar Crawford is on the bump for Boston. Boston is between a plus 110 to a plus 115 underdog. Anywhere between minus 124 to minus 130 is your number on Seattle. 7.5 to 8 is the total. On the 8, the under is minus 120, and the over is even. On the 7.5, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. With Seattle, I did set them at a minus 141 on the money line. I maybe am just a little bit too bullish on Logan Gilbert, but I always like the way that he has pitched thus far this season. So a nice job of being able to keep the walks down. Has started to give up a little bit more hard contact than what you'd like to see, but he's still giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings. That's sustainable. He's been able to generate about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. 383 ERA fielding independent, more around a 355, and it does feel like he's been able to get a little bit more positivity recently, giving up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five stars. Meanwhile, you've got someone at Cutter Crawford that also does a great job with regards to his command. He's giving up about two walks per nine innings, not like some sort of a strikeout artist or anything like that, but he gets enough strikeouts to be effective. He's getting right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, has been giving up a little bit too much our contact, giving up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings, and for Cutter Crawford, he has had home and road splits that every single year are very much fluctuated. He's either been just having a year where he's great at home and terrible on the road, or vice versa, a year where he's really good on the road and terrible at home. So you just never know what is going to be happening with Cutter Crawford, but I do like his overall upside, someone that they were utilizing in a little bit of long relief towards the beginning part of the season, and he comes in haven't allowed three runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts, and the Red Sox are actually 4-1 in his last five starts. To illustrate the point of Cutter Crawford, 603 home ERA thus far this season, 236 ERA on the road thus far this campaign. So he's been able to do a much better job when he's been away from home. And they're going up against a Seattle Mariners team that all season long they just have had a rough time being able to put back to ball. Now you do have quite a few guys that they've done an okay job of being able to go yard for you. They're currently without Jared Kelnick, but he is really sinking up the joint before going on the injured list. Currently you've got Enyuhinho Suarez, Cal Raleigh, Teoscar Hernandez, Julio Rodriguez. All being able to give you between about 14 to 18 home runs thus far this season with having Julio Rodriguez. He has been able to give you about a 250 batting average or so. So it's a little bit up and down. I know that there was buzz as to whether or not to ask Hernandez was going to get traded. As far as I've seen, he was not traded. Should be in the fold for this team. Meanwhile, J.P. Crawford has been able to give you 375 on base, but the Mariners, they are a bottom six team with regards to batting average. And for the Boston Red Sox, they've got by far the most demonstrative home and road splits that you're going to find in terms of batting average in the big leagues. They're averaging about 5.6 runs per game when they're at home, a little bit less than 4.3 runs per game on the road and at home. A league best 292 batting average on the road, 235. That is north of a 55-cent dip, and I mean, you've got a guy in Jaron Duran 
who's giving you an on-base percentage right around 100 points lower when he's on the road rather than when he's at home. Alex Verdugo's batting average drops by north of 75 points. Now, Tristan Casas, home and road, he has been able to do a very rock-solid job for this Red Sox team recently. He had a very brutal start to the season, but for Casas, over the last 30 days, the man has been able to give you a 434 on base with seven home runs over the course of 65 at-bats, so he is starting to heat it up for the team. You've obviously got Rafael Devers with 25 home runs, and most of those home runs have come on the road. As a matter of fact, the Red Sox have been able to belt out more home runs on the road than they have at home, but, but a case where they just don't have as much batting average, so on those shots, they turn into solo shots, and this is a battle of two of the better bullpens that you're going to find in the big leagues. Going into Tuesday, Red Sox number seven in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. The Seattle Mariners number three in terms of bullpen area. Now, the Seattle Mariners did trade away one of their bullpen pieces in Paul Sewell, but they've done a nice job of mixing and matching all season long. You've got the likes of Andres Munoz, Matt Brash, Justin Topa, Taylor Sacato. These guys give you a sub-345 area. They've all been able to do a tremendous job. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, Chris Martin has been tremendous for this team. You've had our good friend and Kenley Jansen not blow as many games this far this season. You'd love to see that. John Schreiber has just come back in the fold. Josh Winkowski has been able to give you a sub-325 area. So, a very interesting spot. I did tell my total at 7.7. Seattle's won the better pitcher ballparks that you're going to find in the big leagues. I think that we've went just a little bit too far with regards to the seven halves. And personally, I would rather have a seven half over rather than an eight under with the way that likes of Eugenio Suarez have picked it up a little bit for Seattle. So we're going to add that seven half over. And with the Mariners willing to lay up to a minus 140 on that money line, 950, 916 on the main board, the Tampa Bay Rays. They throw the facing off against the New York Yankees. Gary Cole is going to be going for the Yankees. Shane McClanahan is on the bump for the Rays. The Rays are very slight underdogs. You're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 to plus 105. Minus 110 to minus 115 is your number on the Yankees. 8 to 7 half is the total. On the 7 half, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8, under is minus 120. And the over is even. I feel like the Rays should be the favorite in this game. I set them at a minus 111. Garrett Cole has been able to do a tremendous job for the New York Yankees. He does experience a little bit of a fall off when he pitches at home rather than when he pitches on the road. And the big reason why he does is because he just gives up the deep ball a little bit more at Yankee Stadium rather than on the road, which that makes sense with the short porch that you're able to find out there in right field. And for Garrett Cole, 226 road ERA, 290 home ERA, with out of his 13 home runs, given up over the course of 136 and a third innings thus far this season, 10 of them have come at home. Now, he's pitched 80 and two-thirds innings at home compared to 55 and two-thirds innings on the road, but that home runs per nine rate, certainly much more elevated when he is at Yankee Stadium. Meanwhile, for Shane McClanahan, I recognize that it's been a little bit topsy-turvy for him recently. Three-plus run surrender in three out of his last four starts has been dealing with some back issues, but I do think that he's going to be able to find it in this start for McClanahan. He has allowed two runs or fewer in all but four of his starts this far this season. 334 road area, 261 home area. You'd like to see him be able to keep the walks under control a little bit more. He has been giving up a little bit north of three walks per nine innings, about a home run per nine innings, but biggest reason why I'm willing to side with the Tampa Bay Rays here is because the New York Yankees just simply can't hit right now. They bring Aaron Judge back in the fold, but I think teams have unearthed something. We're just going to walk Aaron Judge. We're not going to let him beat us, and we're going to make everyone else do so. Anthony Rizzo over his last 50 games has one home run, and he's hitting below the Mendoza of 200 in that time span. And then you've got so many schlubs in this lineup. The Oswaldos, Oswaldo Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe. I mean, so many guys. Hitting a 220 or lower. You've had Isaiah Canera-Falefa be able to pick it up hitting a 260. But Jake Bowers, CJ LeMayu, they're hitting a 230 with not a lot of power. That's a big, giant issue. John Carlos Sand has not been great. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got eight separate guys that will be able to give you at least 12 home runs this far this season with all but two of them hitting at least a 255.
five. I recognize the post also break. They have been a bottom five team in terms of runs per game, but it feels like they're starting to find it a little bit more in the series. We've got Isak Paredes leading the way with 21 home runs, 365 on base. Randy Rosarena has fallen on some tough times recently, especially in the field, but Yandy Diaz, four on base, 14 home runs. They do it against both lefties and righties. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, since June 1st, this team has been number one in the American League in terms of bullpen ERA. You've had the likes of Colin Boucher, Jason Adam, Feet Fairbanks, Beacons, it's all season long, but they bring in Robert Stevenson. They bring in Jake Diekman. These have been guys that were cast-offs for other teams and in Rays uniforms. They've been able to post up a sub-three ERA. Now, for the Yankees, overall this season, they rank number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and it's still been rock solid. You've had Clay Holmes along with Nick Ramirez, Ian Hamilton. You go down the list of guys, Michael King, that have all been able to give you a sub-325 ERA, but I do think that for the New York Yankees, they're just not going to be able to provide enough offense to be able to get it done. Rays have fallen on some tough times as well with regards to the offense. I think that this is going to be a classic pitcher's duel. I think that McClanahan shakes off those injuries and gets a raise of victory. Set my total at 7.2, looking at the under end. Looking at the raise on the money line, set them as the minus 111 favorite. Now we have my DK Network right up pick. This is 9.17, on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays playoffs to the Baltimore Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez goes for Baltimore and Yusei Kikuchi is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is anywhere between minus 118 to minus 122 favorites. Between even money and plus 110 is your number on Baltimore. 8.5 to 9 is the total on the 9. The under is minus 120 and the over is even on the 8.5. Flip it. The over, that is minus 120 and the under, that is even. And my write-up pick is going to be on this total over. I set my total personally at a 9.7. So whether you've got an 8.5 or if you've got a 9, this could go to a 9.5. I'm taking a look at the over for Grayson Rodriguez. Coming off of a very nice start, he was able to hold the Yankees scoreless for north of 6 innings. That was against the New York Yankees, who you just heard a minute ago. It's been less than savory with regards to that offense. Recently, for Grayson Rodriguez, he has had command issues all season long. 3.9 walks and 1.9 home runs allowed per nine innings. Now, the fielding independent. It's better than his ERA. ERA is a 621, 502 fielding dependent. He is not as bad as that 621 ERA, but he still does have some command issues, and I still need to see it to believe it a little bit more out of him. Meanwhile, he goes up against another guy in Yusei Kikuchi who's given up all sorts of bombs as well. As for Yusei Kikuchi, he's allowing 1.8 home runs per nine innings. He is not as good as his 379 ERA. His fielding independent is a full point higher at a 478. At home for Yusei Kikuchi, he's been allowing 3.7 walks per nine innings. Now, Yusei Kikuchi actually comes in a very good form. Two runs are fear surrendered in each out of his last three starts, but... I think that that's built a little bit on sand. You do have a pair of bullpens that have been very good for the Toronto Blue Jays. They actually entered into Tuesday. Number two in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. I do think that that's built a little bit on sand. Both of these teams, they did have to utilize their bullpen a little bit more than they would have liked. On Tuesday, you've got Tim Meza, who's been able to do a really good job for the Blue Jays, providing a sub-250 ERA, but Eric Swanson has been acting up a little bit for Blue Jays. As we know, reinforcements are on the way in the form of Jordan Hicks for that bullpen to be able to help out with Jordan Romano being on the fold. And for the Orioles, I keep saying it, this is a very top-heavy bullpen. You've got Yenir Cano, Felix Batista, sub-2 ERA out of both of those guys. Danny Columbus been able to give you right around 3 ERA. And then you've got the likes of Mike Bauman, Brian Baker, guys like this that have been posting up a 3.55 ERA or higher. Sinal Perez is a guy that I have no faith in. It. I just don't get how Shintaro Fujinami helps out this bullpen at all, but... What I do get is that the Baltimore Orioles have been really good on the road at being able to generate runs. They actually entered into Tuesday, second in the American League, 
in terms of runs per game. They don't have a supreme batting average. They're right around league average there. They're a little bit above a league average in terms of home runs on a per at-bat basis as well, but just have a lot of guys firing on the cylinders that they do a nice job with Ben in scoring position. You've got your main man at being able to get on base and at Lee Rushman. Double-figure amount of homers out of him, north of a 365 on base. You've got good consistency all throughout the lineup because you take a look pretty much at 3 through 8 that was in the lineup yesterday. Everyone had between a 313 and a 335 on base. Nobody was really above that. Nobody was below that. So you've got good consistency for this Orioles lineup. Anthony Santander has done a nice job of being able to crank out the deep ball. He's been able to give you 18 home runs. And though you don't get a lot of bombs out of the Orioles, they seem to be a really good double seam as well. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, they're most likely going to be without Boba Shed. He suffered that injury on Monday. I'm expecting him to, if he's not going on the injury list, he's going to be out for at least a week. But you've got Flagger Jr., who's been able to do a nice job of being able to crank out the deep ball. He's been able to give you 17 home runs as he, Whit Merrifield, Brandon Bell, Matt Chapman, they're all giving you between about a 345 to a 355 on base. George Springer has been in a little bit of a slide recently, but he's still been able to give you right around 13 home runs this far this season. Danny Jansen, not hitting for average, but he's been able to give you 15 home runs this far this season as well. And I think that you've got a pair of starters that are going to be giving up the deep ball. I do think that for the Blue Jays, they're going to be figuring out this ballpark a little bit more moving forward as well, and they're going to be able to get more runs towards the back half of the season. I trust in the Blue Jays being able to get to Grayson Rodriguez. I trust in the Orioles being able to get to Yusei Kikuchi. Semi total at 9.7. The DK Network right-up pick, that is going to be on the total over. And I do give an edge to the Blue Jays. Even without Boba Shed, I do think that for the Blue Jays, they've got a little bit more of a just complete bullpen to be able to get the job done. So set the Blue Jays at a minus 140, looking at them on the money line. My DK Network right-up pick is on the over. 919-920 on the bang board. It is the Texas Rangers. They play us to the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease is going to be on the bump for the Sox. It is good old to be determined for the Rangers. I was thinking we would get John Gray, and if you get John Gray, I set the Rangers at a minus 162 on the money line, but I mean, they can't even trot out their Cody Bradford because Cody Bradford was easy a few days ago. Max Scherzer, it is announced that he is going to be pitching on Thursday, so he's not an option. I don't think that they're going to be able to utilize Jordan Montgomery here as well, so it's a big old question mark. If you get yourself a bullpen game, the Rangers will probably be a very slight favorite just because that offense is so good, and if you do get John Gray, it's been a very rough go of it for him recently, a man that the fielding independent is really starting to catch up with him in general, but we just don't know, so I'm not going to be able to give you too much air, but I can give you is that these two teams' bullpens have been very rough. They are both 24th or lower in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, you've got yourself a Rangers team. I do think that they're going to be able to kick it up towards back of the season. They pick up a role to Chapman. They've got Brock Burke, Jose LeClerc. These are guys they are able to give you a sub-350 ERA. So I do think that there's a positivity moving forward for that bullpen. Meanwhile, Keenan Middleton, he's out of town for the White Sox. You've got Gregory Santos as really the lone bullpen piece, but Dylan Cease has been able to do a solid job this season for the Chicago White Sox. Since the beginning of the month of June, he has given up three runs or fewer in eight out of his last 10 starts, so he's been improving a little bit on that front. The walks are starting to creep up. He's given up multiple walks in four out of his last five starts for those that look at walks props, but the strikeout numbers 
They are back. He's been able to get north of 10 and a half strikeouts for nine innings. It's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home, giving up five home runs and 58 innings on the road. 403 road here compared to a 426 home here. And for the White Sox, they did trade away Jake Berger at the deadline, as was laid out by our good friend Danny Burke. But you still have Luis Robert. He's been able to slog out 29 home runs. The biggest issue that you've got with this White Sox lineup, they just don't know to take their base. They've been able to get a little bit more recently out of Zach Remillard. He's been able to give you about 90 at bats. He's providing a 357 on base, which is team badly needs because you've got one other player on the roster, and Andrew Benatendi, with the earth of a 330 on base. And Benatendi is hitting right around 280. And Eloy Menes, hitting 285, 13 home runs. That's passable, but he really doesn't draw a lot of walks. That's really been the issue for this White Sox team altogether. And then you got the likes of an Oscar Colas, along with Elvis Andrews. When he's been out there, answer Alberto as they've been utilizing many, many different guys, and they all have not been able to hit. Meanwhile, for the Walker Texas Rangers, this is the top offense in terms of runs per game in the big leagues. They have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Corey Seager, so that's been a little bit of a negative for them. But even with Corey Seager out of the fold on most nights, they're trotting out their lineup that has all but two of their guys hanging north of a 265. Adolis Garcia is one of the guys that is not. He's been able to provide 25 home runs. Josh Young has been able to give you 20-plus home runs as well. He's hitting in that neighborhood about a 272, 275. You've got pretty much everyone on this Texas Rangers lineup. Seems like Travis Jankowski in that normal starting lineup, being able for a double-figure amount of homers. They've done it against righties and lefties. So it's a very interesting circumstance. Like I said, if we get John Gray, I actually project a relatively low total. An eight or less, we'll be looking at the over eight and a half or higher to the under. If you get like some sort of bullpen game for the Rangers, this hikes up by about a run. That would be a spot where like a nine or less would be looking at the over nine and a half or higher to the under, and I'd be setting the Rangers at a very slight favorite with John Gray on the bump. It's a minus 162. Very much a murky situation. So hopefully they announce a starter sooner rather than later because it could be a little bit all over the place. 921-922 on the bank board. The LA Angels they hit the road. They're facing off against the Atlanta Braves. As Yoni Chorinos goes for the Bravos and Lucas Giolito is on the bump. For the Angels, and your total on this game is 10.5. The over and the under are both at minus 110, with the Atlanta Braves are between minus 138 to minus 155 favorites. Meanwhile, you've got anywhere between plus 118 and plus 130 as your number on the Angels. I did set the Braves at a minus 152. Is Yoni Torino's the end-all, be-all for the Atlanta Braves? Oh, heck no. You take a look at... Yoni Chirino said, among pitchers have thrown at least 25 innings this far this season. He's got the lowest strikeout per nine rate of any starting pitcher in the big leagues. 4.6 strikeouts at 2.8 walks per nine innings. 434 ERA field independent. A full point higher at a 534. And take a look at what he was able to do in really his first true appearance with the Atlanta Braves. He gives up four runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings against the Milwaukee Brewers. Less than terrific. I think that he's going to be able to shape up a little bit more against an Angels team that Man, they're just banged up, and we're starting to see those injuries take hold because in their first 12 games without Mike Trout, they got uh, four-plus runs in all but two of them, but we have really seen them regress recently. You still have for the LA Angels, Shoya Otani, who leads the league in home runs. He's hitting above a 300 and I mean, you don't want to sleep on some of these guys. Eduardo Escobar, Mike Moussakis, these are veteran bats that are able to give you some good at-bats. You've got Randall Gritchick, Mickey Moniak. Both of these guys are hitting above a 300. Both of these guys have functional power as well. And CJ Crone, if he's able to find it, that would be very nice for the team as well. But Matt Theis at the catcher spot, he's been okay at being a move line. Doesn't give you a ton. Luis Renifo, this guy that I've never really been bullish on. And 
the Atlanta Braves just simply can slug their way to victory. I know that we've seen a little bit of a platoon situation with Kevin Pillar along with Eddie Rosario, but right now you've got for the Atlanta Braves 16 home runs out of seven different guys. Matt Olson, 36 bombs entering into yesterday, leading the way with about a 365 on base. And he's not even the front runner for MVP on his own team. That'd be Ronald Cunha Jr. Those are 50 stolen bases, 24 bombs, 415 on base. And then you've got Marcelo Zuna. Doesn't do the world's greatest job of moving the line, but 22 home runs. Ozzy Elbies has been able to give you 24 home runs. This Braves team, they just have got guys upon guys. They're able to take the ball out of the yard. On top of that, for the Atlanta Braves, they've got a very big advantage with regards to the bullpen. For the Angels, currently 19th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA thus far this season. The Atlanta Braves are number 5 overall, but number 1 in the National League. For the Atlanta Braves, it does get to be a little bit topsy-turvy with some of these guys, but Rossio Iglesias, since that first week in which he came off the injured list, he's been tremendous in the likes of Michael Tonkin, Kirby Yates, Joe Menes being able to give you a sub-340 ERA has been big for the Angels. They've got Mark, Matt Moore, Carlos Aceves, a pair of guys that have been able to do a tremendous job. They've got sub-3 bullpen ERAs, and Jose Soriano has been able to give you some nice innings as well. Reynaldo Lopez is someone that they're hoping could be able to help out this bullpen a little bit as well, but I do think that the Atlanta Braves do have the Angels completely outgunned there, and for Lucas Giolito, he just has not been able to perform well away from Chicago thus far this season. His ERA in Chicago is right around 240, north of a 5 on the road, and the big reason why, the command has not been there. When he was pitching in Chicago, those home starts, he had a sub-2 walks per 9 rate. That goes to north of 3.5 on the road. So he's been a completely different pitcher there, and I do think that that's going to be cropping up a little bit. I do think that the 10.5 is a little bit too high. I said my dollar at 10.3. If it were a 10, I'd be willing to go over, but I think that the hook just a little bit too far in this ordeal because the Angels, they are banged up with their lineup, so going to be taking a look at the under. And with the Braves, set them minus 152 on the money line, but on the run line, I was willing to take a plus 115 or higher. Currently, we're finding that between about a plus 120 to a plus 125. This is one of these circumstances. We're getting a minus 140. I would rather take that rather than taking a look at that run line. So going to be willing to lay about a minus 140 with the Bravos and taking a look at this total under 923 and 924 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. As Waldo Vito goes for the Buccos and Eduardo Rodriguez is on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers are listed at DraftKings as a minus 125 favorite. Plus 105 is your number on Pittsburgh. In F is the total. The under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. I think that a lot of bookmakers had trepidation with posting this one up because Eduardo Rodriguez, it looked like, was going to be traded from the Detroit Tigers, but he decided to enact his no-trade clause to the Dodgers, which, why you'd want to be staying with the Tigers rather than the Dodgers, I'm a little bit unsure of, but kudos to him. So, there's that, but you've got a man in Eduardo Rodriguez who's been able to do a masterful job all season long, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate is a little bit north of nine. I do think that there might be a little bit of regression with him. His fielding independent is a tad bit higher than his 295 ERA, but all in all, he is by far the better starter in this spot. As far as Waldo Beto, he's been able to give you some strikeouts. He's given you a little bit over eight strikeouts per nine innings. He hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been great, but you know what? For a Pittsburgh Pirates team that is looking to see what they've got out of some young guys, they should be very encouraged by what he's been able to show in his last four appearances because I know that they've thrown him out of the bullpen 
little bit as well. He has given up three runs or fewer in every one of those. 364 fielding the pen compared to a 450 ERA as he has not a lot, a lot of deep balls as well, giving up just one home run over the course of 30 innings for the Pirates. They actually have been in the top half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA when they lost Yuan Ramirez along with Jose Hernandez. You saw them have a really rough month in June with regards to their bullpen ERA. Getting back Hernandez has been able to fortify things. David Benar has been able to do a solid job as well. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're just without a lot of pop. They had one guy entering into the day on Tuesday with north of 12 home runs as currently with the team. That'd be Jack Swiniski. Swiniski only hitting about a 225, but his on-base percentage is north of a 340. You've been able to have Brian Reynolds and McCutcheon both hit right around about a 255 to a 260 with McCutcheon giving you north of a 360 on-base and both of these guys between 10 and 12 home runs. But for Reynolds, over the last 45 days, he's hitting right around 200. That's been a little bit of an issue. And now they're trying to see what they've got out of some of these young prospects like an Andy Rodriguez at the catcher spot. Henry Davis, a former number one overall pick who's been able to give you some on base, but he struggled a little bit at the plate recently. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, they've struggled at the plate all season long. Riley Green has been able to hit above a 300, and he's pretty much the only guy that consistently gets at bats as currently posting up an on-base percentage as north of about a 335. And that's an issue for this team as you've got the likes of Javi Baez, Jake Rogers, Akil Badu that are all hitting below a 230. Spencer Torkelson, he's been able to crank out 15-plus home runs. Only guy on the roster with north of 12 home runs. He's been able to give you about a 311 on-base. So it's been deplorable for the Tigers. Bottom five in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage and in terms of runs per game. But for the Detroit Tigers, right around a league average bullpen. In terms of ERA, they've been able to do a solid job with the likes of Tyler Holton, Jason Foley, Jose Cicerno, Alex Lang. These are guys who are able to give you a sub-4 ERA, and I certainly do think that Eduardo Rodriguez is the more dominant starter in this one. I do think that both of these pitchers, they're going to be able to do a nice job. I set my total at an 8.1, so here at an 8.5, looking at the under, and I do trust that Eduardo Rodriguez in this spot as well. Set him at a minus 138, so we're at the Tigers' money line and taking a look at this little under as well. 9.45-9.26 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins, and they're on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. It is Joe Ryan on the bump for the Twins, and it is to be determined on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals. This was supposed to be Jack Flaherty's start. Jack Flaherty is now with the Baltimore Orioles, so I don't think he's going to be making this start. I've got to think that they're going to be throwing Matthew Libertor. I'd be very surprised if they don't throw Matthew Libertor. He's currently with the big league team. If he doesn't go in this spot, well, you're going to be getting a nice breakdown of Matthew Libertor tomorrow. I'm not going to go too much farther because it's a very murky situation to say the least, but if you do get Matthew Libertor, I'm setting Joe Ryan and the Twins at a minus 128 on the money line, and if it's not Libertor, it's probably even worse. You probably get Dakota Hudson in that circumstance, something like that. Maybe they just decide, oh, screw it, we're going to throw a poo-poo platter of pitchers with like Andre Pallanti getting the start or something like that, but yeah, it's not a savory spot for the St. Louis Cardinals. They trade away Paul DeYoung. They still have plenty of offense. This is a Cardinals team that ranks in the top eight in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis. They've been averaging more than 5.2 runs per game when they've been at home. That falls by north of a full run when they're on the road, but got plenty of guys moving the line. Paul Goldschmidt, Brandon Donovan, they're both hitting in the neighborhood about a 280. Goldschmidt has been able to give you 18 plus home runs. The two Nolans, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, 22 home runs apiece. Now you do have Gorman, who's been dealing with a few ailments recently as well. He is currently day-to-day, so Taylor Motter is getting at bats. A good grief. Taylor Motter is not good. I remember when he got DFA'd in the KBL. I mean, good grief. How he's in the big leagues, I have absolutely no idea, but there's that. Everyone else for the St. Louis Cardinals is doing a relatively solid job, including Lars Newbar, right around about a 350 on base, and 
for the Twins. They've got plenty of power in the lineup. They just don't have guys that are able to reach base to be able to help them out because you got Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Carlos Correa, Michael A. Taylor, Joey Gallo, all these guys that will be able to give you 12-plus home runs. None of them have been able to give you an on-base percentage north of a 305. Now, the guys outside of those power guys, Matt Walner, he's been able to give you a 375 on-base. Donovan Solano, Ryan Jeffers, Eduard Julian, they're all giving you at least a 360 on-base. So, they're sort of trying to go on-base power, on-base power, and it's just not working for them. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, it's been a bullpen that has been very topsy-turvy recently. The injury to Brock Stewart has been taking a little bit of a toll on them. You've got two guys that I really like in Jordan Balzovich, along with Johan Duran, both of these guys have been able to supply you with a sub-330 ERA. Been able to get some nice innings as well out of Emilio Bagan, who's actually been able to give you a 330 ERA, but Oliver Ortega is starting to be a little bit up and down there. They have not gotten killed. Theo Bar back in full due is amazing towards the beginning part of the season, but has been out for quite a while. Griffin Jacks has done an okay job, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, they really don't have a single primary reliever because I do not consider Dakota Hudson to be a reliever that has a sub-350 ERA. They are a bottom 16 with regards to bullpen ERA. Giovanni Gallegos, he's posting up a 360 ERA. He's right now leading the way for this team. And then you've got, who I mentioned before, Andre Pallanti, Drew Verhagen, along with like Zach Thompson, guys like this. They're posting up north of 4 ERA. It is just a mess for the St. Louis Cardinals. So if you do get Matthew Libertor, I'd be setting Joe Ryan at a minus 128 on the money line because Joe Ryan has had his struggles as well. And Joe Ryan has especially had his struggles on the road as well. I still go back to that game last year against the San Diego Padres where he allowed like five home runs in that game. That was a little bit less than savory. But for Joe Ryan, he's been able to do a great job with his command. He's been giving up a little bit less than two walks per nine innings. Deep ball once again this year has really been his kryptonite. He's been giving up about 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings, including on the road giving up about 1.9 bombs per nine innings. But he's also giving you right around about 10.5 to 11 strikeouts per nine innings. So with the Twins, one to lay up to a minus 127 if it's Ryan versus Libertor. If it's a bullpen game for the Cardinals, they're probably going to be north of a plus 135 underdog. Meanwhile, if it is Ryan versus Libertor, 8.5 or less, look at the over 9 or higher to the under. If it's a bullpen game for the Cardinals, most likely 9 or less to the over, 9.5 or higher to the under, but depends on the circumstances a little bit more there. 9.27, 9.28 on the bank board. You can see Rails. They play us to the New York Metropolitans. Kodai Senga is going to be going for the Mets, and Alec Marsh is on the bump for Kansas City. Kansas City... A sizable underdog between plus 170 and plus 180. Meanwhile, between minus $2 and minus 210, your number on the Mets, 9.5 is your total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. And the Mets run line, that's anywhere between minus 125 to a minus 130. And I was willing to go up to a minus 139. Even though Kodai Senga has not necessarily been too great on the road this far this season, Alec Marsh belongs nowhere near our big league mound right now. And I hate to say it, he's a guy from the state of Wisconsin, but I mean, he's been horrible. He's made five starts. He's lost all five decisions in these starts. He has given up three-plus runs in all but one of them. He's given up four-plus runs in three of them. He has gotten five strikeouts or fewer in all but one of them. He's given up two-plus walks in four out of his five starts. He's given up at least one home run in every one of these starts. He's got a fielding independent that is to the moon because he's given up nine home runs in 23 innings. He's giving up five walks per nine innings. I mean, why is Alec Marsh getting a start? I just don't get it. Meanwhile, for Kodai Senga, he's been able to do a nice job of being able to get swing 
swings and misses. He has been able to generate about 11 punch outs per nine innings. Now the walks, they are rough with him as well. He's been getting about 4.5 to 4.6 walks per nine innings. And those home and road splits that I alluded to, 240 home year compared to a 407 year on the road. But still keeps the ball in the yard, giving up about 1.15 home runs per nine innings when he's on the road. And he's going up against a Royals team that's currently in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage, in terms of home run rate, in terms of darn near every single offensive category that you can think of. Salvador Perez, along with Bobby Wood Jr., both of these guys have been your main matchers as Wood Jr. sitting about a 260, Perez more around about a 245 to a 250, 70 plus home runs out of both of these guys. They're the only two guys in the lineup right now that are healthy. They're able to give you eight plus home runs. And then you've got so many guys that they have just been utilizing and they have not been able to hit all season long as You've got the likes of a Salmon Taylor, who got to start yesterday. Nate Eaton, MJ Melendez, throw in there as well. Michael Massey, these guys sitting at 225 or lower. It has been not good, to say the least, for the Royals. And the Royals are a bottom five team in terms of bullpen ERA. Taylor Clark, he has been posting up about a 6 ERA. Scott Barlow is no longer with the team, and he wasn't doing a very good job to start with. Anel Zerpa apparently is going to become a long guy for this team. That can't mean anything good. Nick Wickren has been giving you a 6 ERA. Not great, to say the least. There's nobody trustworthy right now for the Kansas City Royals, and there's very few trustworthy arms for the Mets as well. Brooks Raley has been able to do a very solid job. He's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, and Grant Hartwig has had his moments as well. You could use a little bit more on Drew Smith towards the beginning part of the season. He was solid. His ERA is hovering right around 4, but both of these bullpens have you know, both been very, very sad, to say the least. And for the New York Mets, they do trade away a few pieces like a Marcana, but you still have the Francisco's, Francisco Alvarez, Francisco Lindor, both of these guys, 19 plus home runs. Both of these guys hitting between about a 232 and 240. Pete Alonso is not in for any average at all, but he's been able to give you 31 home runs as far this season, and you've had quite a few guys being able to do a solid job of being able to land on base. I know that Tommy Pham was out of the fold for the team yesterday as well. as I mean, there were just a lot of pieces that were involved with a lot of trades for the New York Mets, so they're throwing out there quite a few of their younger guys, like Mark Ventinos is now going to be getting at bats for this team. I think that Brandon Nimmo was not one of the pieces that was traded. He should be still in the fold for the team, but man, it is a little bit rough for the New York Mets. They are throwing out their Mendick at the second base spot as well, so you've got yourself a pair of lineups that they're hardly recognizable, and you've got a guy in Alec Marsha that should not be out there on the mound, so something's got to give. I said my total at 9.3. I just don't think that the Royals do their part with regards to total. so looking at the under and with the Mets, going to be willing to take them on the run line, and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the main board. The Oakland A's, they play on the road against the LA Dodgers. You've got Tony Gonsolin on the bump for the Dodgers. Hogan Harris is on the bump for the A's. This is a game that is off the board. With the Dodgers, I set them at a minus 254 on the money line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 140 on the run line, and with regards to the total, set it at a 10.1, a 10 or less. I'm looking at the over 10 and a half higher to the under. If you get something like we saw yesterday, I probably would be able to take the Oakland A's, because I need at least a plus 255 to take a shot there, and they made Fatlands Lynn a minus $3 favorite against Ken Waldachuk, so... That's interesting to say the least. If we could get that plus 255 for Ogan Harris, it's been a deplorable run for him recently, but I just can't lay this sort of a number like a $3 like we saw yesterday with Tony Gonsolin. Tony Gonsolin has been one of the luckiest pitchers on the face of planet Earth over the last 18 or so months, and his luck is starting to run dry. He's got a 425 ERA, but a fielding independent that's right around 481 for Tony Gonsolin. Seven and a half strikeouts to 3.6 walks per nine innings. Opponents on balls and play are hitting at 223. 
That is just not sustainable, and that's a big reason why he's went straight down the toilet bowl. He's allowed four-plus runs in four out of his last five starts, and I don't think that the bleeding is done quite yet. Meanwhile, for Hogan Harris, is he some sort of a Hogan hero or anything like that? No, he's not. He has been having a rough go, but 6.070 area overall for the season, and He's been around to form a little bit more recently. Last two stars gave up a combined four runs over the course of nine and a third innings. But the fielding independent indicates that he's been getting a little bit unlucky and there should be some positivity. He does need to cut down on the walks, right around 3.7 walks per nine innings, but has been able to get right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, allowing just over a home run per nine innings. So the A's bullpen is horrible. They are dead last in the big leagues in terms of bullpenning race. Amy Long is giving you north of a five year. Trevor May has been made A for this team. He hasn't been able to give you a whole heck of a lot as well. Austin Pruitt has probably been one of your more trustworthy guys with right around a 365 ERA, so that's been a little bit of an issue. For the Dodgers, recently, the bullpen has been able to pick it up as well. Towards the beginning part of the season, that was rough. They DFA'd Phil Bickford rightfully, so he was just not getting the job done. But for the Dodgers over the last three days, entering into yesterday, Fifth in the league in terms of bullpen area. You've been able to get good innings out of Bursarder, Griderall, Caleb Ferguson all season long. Ryan Brazier has been picked up from the Red Sox. That helps him out. Joe Kelly can't be a downgrade compared to guys like Yancey Almonte, Alex Vesia. So that's going to be able to help them out a little bit. And as we know with this Dodgers team, they are going to be able to put back to ball. You've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Mookie Betts, but he and Max Muncy, both 27 home runs apiece. J.D. Martinez, he's been able to go deep 25 times. Freddie Freeman, he's been able to supply north of a four-hour base. And for the Dodgers, they always have men on base with regards to these home runs because they just do such a great job of being able to land on base because they are second in the big leagues in terms of walks per at bat. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, you also do have J.D. Martinez dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. So you do want to take note there, and that has been factored in just a tad for the Oakland A's. They saw Vesteria Ruiz out of the fold, and that's an issue because he's really been the top guy in terms of being able to get on base, and he actually leads the American League with north of 42 stolen bases. Ryan Noda has been dealing with an ailment as well. He's been able to give you 375 on base. So your main form of power, that'd be Brent Rooker. If Noda is unable to go in this game, he is the only guy on the roster that currently has north of 10 home runs. He's been able to supply about a 340 on base, and to the credit of the Oakland A's, they actually had a little bit better on the road than they do at home. At home, it's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, and it is a ghost town. So, I mean, just hearing the sounds of fans probably fires these guys up a little bit. So, like Jace Peterson, it's below a 200 at home on the road. He's been hitting more like a 262. Jonathan Diaz has been able to do a nice job of being able to pound out the ball on the road as well. And out of the 10 home runs for Shea Langelaers, eight of those have come on the road as well. So, I do think that that's a little bit beneficial. So, this is a spot where I think that runs are going to be very plentiful. 10 or less, I'm looking at the over 10 and a half prior to the under. With the A's plus 255 or higher, that is my buy point on that money line, minus 140 or less when to lay the run line of the LA Dodgers. And that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Big thanks to Danny Burke, who does tremendous work here at Visa, and he joined me in the last segment. If you'd like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you'll be able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have any question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be our furthest in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.